Echo's Box Podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. Is this something you might be able to accomplish? I'm sorry. Can't help you. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Echo's Box. This is episode 30. What's up, Doc? I, I don't have a Bugs Bunny impression for you. As far as music goes, you were just listening to New Low by Jones. Yeah, that's right. That's one of my songs. That's a single I'll have coming out here hopefully very, very shortly within the month of February. Kind of working around different release schedules for other stuff. But that's also going to be a song that's part of a larger album that I have done. We're just going to do a final like master Passover with me and Seth and it'll, it'll be good to go. I'm super excited to release all that. This is the first time I've ever had music that I'm like, actually super stoked on like i don't know how to explain it to, to people who who have actually liked some of my music a lot of them are, are friends anyway who are just like ah, oh, no that was great what are you talking about and it's like no the, the music i wrote before was good we make sure we didn't release anything that was like bad quality but they weren't like songs that i liked a lot of them i just kind of like cranked out or was fun experiments working with stuff and especially the first songs i ever wrote those were all just learning curves like you have to start somewhere you have to start with stuff even if you don't like it that much you make it the best possible thing that it is and some of the songs out of that are really good patron i think is, is a pretty decent song it's just not kind of it doesn't compare quite to the the music i'm releasing now um, New Low Alone is, is one of my favorite songs, but it's not even the, the best one that's on all the songs that, that I have uh, on this upcoming album. So stay tuned for that. I'm, of course, going to be leaking songs track by track until it eventually comes out and they'll all be there. And then you'll just hear it as an intro from time to time. So, yeah, that's that's super cool. It's been about a month since we've done a podcast. Uh, took a hiatus on purpose for the holidays. There's just too much going on. I wanted to do a podcast, but... Not only was there not the time, but my mental health could not possibly stand it. And in fact, that's kind of what today's episode is going to be about. I'm going to be talking about not really my experience through the holidays per se, like but specific holiday items. Uh, that was for the holiday episode. We kind of talked about all that kind of stuff. But more along the lines of how my mental health's doing in general, just to kind of loop back and share those experiences, kind of come back, start of a new year, looping back to what the podcast is all about. So... One of the, the main problems that I've been dealing with, it's why this episode's called What's Up, Doc? It's not only just a what's up, hey, we're back, but I've been to the doctor a lot, like a lot, a lot. I have another appointment this week and another appointment next week. There are so many appointments. It is ridiculous. But 
uh, over the holidays, I was kind of basically raw dogging it with no medicine, which really, really sucks. Those of you who have uh, medicine that helps with your mental health issues will know that once you do not have access to your medicine anymore, if it is medicine that's actually working for you, that is, uh, that that's a really bad time. Now, I've talked about medicine in the past, and just kind of recap you, if you haven't listened to all the other episodes yet, I started off uh, pretty much self-medicating anything that I could I could get my hands on that was reasonable and, and I felt wouldn't kill me or was worth the risk. I, I did everything from your classic uh, high schooler drugs, like taking a DXM through your, your rope tussing, you know, started with that, uh, marijuana, uh, psychedelics, uh, disassociatives, you, you name it. I, I tried it along the way there. And through therapy, my therapist was like, hey, let's, you know, stop that and try some actual medication. And from there, we, we started trying to target my depression. My, my major depressive disorder is, is kind of the crux of, of everything. We're like, okay, we'll just target at the source. Well, I went through and I've tried every antidepressant known to man. I've had them for long periods of time, had them for short periods of time. Obviously, the ones for short periods of time were ones that made things worse immediately within the first two weeks, so we had to, to cancel those. Um, but literally, there are maybe one or two brands I have not tried, but if it's an SSRI or an NDPRI, I have been on it. It did not work for me, unfortunately. I was so sad, especially when uh, Wellbutrin specifically is a medicine that worked for a lot of people. Uh, didn't work for me. It did very terrible things for me. It caused my panic attacks to go up, so on and so forth. As the years passed, uh, we decided that the only thing that really helped was the Xanax they gave me as needed to wean me on and off the medication. So we thought, okay, well, let's try to kind of segment things up a little bit. And we talked about general anxiety disorder and, you know, does that apply to me and how, how is that impacting my depression? And, you know, basically it's, it's this whole web of what affects what. Do you just have depression? Do you just have anxiety do you have depression that causes anxiety you have anxiety that causes depression you know what about your 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 ptsd symptoms what about insomnia like all these symptoms that i have that are related to my various mental health statuses um it's kind of hard to put a pin on where they come from and for the longest time i thought i was just having panic attacks because i was depressed and have some complex ptsd issues so uh, turns out, no, uh, I have a completely separate general anxiety disorder, and we found that out because once we started working with the Xanax, we were like, okay, well, if you're taking that as needed, and you're able to fight off the panic attacks, how do you feel? I'm like, well, not so anxious anymore. And it's like, okay, cool. What about your depression? That's still the same. I still feel nothing inside, feel dead inside, or feel the worst about myself, whichever day of the week you pick your poison. My brain wants to hate everything that I do and I have to push through it anyway and it fucking sucks so no aid or relief there but at least I'm not spiraling or not able to sleep in the middle of the night or crying on my bathroom floor whatever have you uh that uh, I would deal with week to week most most here lately I'll talk about what I've what I've kind of been dealing with that's been just awful uh related to the anxiety disorder um but really just having that medication trying that out worked and and my my doctor was able to kind of work with me on that and eventually we got me on to uh a you know regular routine at first they were just kind of prescribing it as needed i have to go there for a visit to get a refill it's one of those scheduled narcotics whole deal uh but eventually we did like the whole narcotics contract deal and now i can go and i only need to get like a refill every three months 
and that's much better, at least in theory. In practice, signing a narcotics contract means you have to pass the drug test. And, uh, well, that's where a lot of problems came in. Because at first, for a long time, one of the things that I would do is work with my therapist with various THC products that we could get, or occasionally when I could get something from a friend, you know, wink, wink. Um, I would use those, and they would help me with insomnia and my eating disorder specifically. They didn't really wane off anxiety. They did, like marijuana for me is not one of those things that causes anxiety, but it does help with anxiety for me. It does so in a much different way than something like a benzo does. You see, marijuana or any THC products for that matter will put me in a relaxed state. Being high off of THC is just relaxing for me. I'm able to kind of chill out and be able to relax and just kind of, you know, not have anxiety for a while. However, if I'm in the middle of some kind of nervous breakdown, if I'm about to have a panic attack or if my head is just spinning or I'm not in a, an area where I can reasonably and responsibly use any kind of THC product, that's what Xanax is for. Xanax is for targeting those really serious events that could incapacitate me for several hours, if not the whole day, depending on how severe whatever it is my brain decides it wants to freak out about. So if I had to pick a medication, which is kind of what we did, uh, I would pick the benzo. I would pick Xanax every time just because that is the emergency problem solver for me. And it works really well for me for managing my anxiety. And when my anxiety is managed, what we found is that, yeah, I still have bad days with depression. I still have this internal drone of self-loathing and all these other just off. It's so hard to describe <laughs> listen to the other episodes on, on depression. I'm not prepared to talk about that today, but um, it helps where that is all I have to deal with. So instead of managing multiple different issues at the same time, I can just worry about the depression and I can work around managing what the depression is doing actively in my life at any given time and even focus on solutions for that. Think of new things that I can try, whether that's more meditation, spiritual work, whether that is talking about exercises with my therapist, it's going out with the dogs, whatever it is that I can do to kind of see what sparks that emotion or sparks that chemistry change in any way, I can focus on that. Whereas if I'm having to deal with that and could have a panic attack at any given moment with no way to resolve it or i haven't slept in a week whatever whatever it is i can just deal with that thing because xanax not only helps me with uh the panic attacks but also helps me sleep if i'm not sleeping for days on end it's actually usually because i'm up night with my brain spinning and spiraling in circles and often having panic attacks so let's dive into kind of what I experienced over the holidays like my medicine. All right, so to catch up the speed, kind of what happened was a little bit over the holidays, uh, say starting October, yeah, beginning of October towards the beginning of November, I still had plenty of my Xanax prescription left. So I was good to go, uh, overall medicated, and I was, I was set to get a refill. In fact, I had another refill already on my prescription that was ready to go. So I went to renew that, and by the time I did, the renewal for it had actually expired. I had this whole thing where it's like, oh, I'll get this another 30 days. I'll be good through the holidays and I don't have to worry about anything. I missed the expiration date uh, for that, that refill. That really put things on hold, but it was okay. I thought anyway, I could just call my doctor and we would get things taken care of and everything would be fine. Now, I had smoked some of uh, the Lord's lettuce when I was out in a, on a trip to a location, we'll say. 
And I pretty much smoked the entire time I was there, right? It was a recreational legal state, so we all had a, some kind of pin on us at all time, if not smoke joint, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, so I did that. Then when I got back home, you know, I still had some medicine left, so I wasn't freaking out about the appointment yet. But I went ahead and made my appointment in advance thinking, oh, okay, we'll be fine. So this month goes by. I don't use any kind of THC products at all. I'm not using anything going through November or going through December. And now we're in, we're at my appointment. I said going through December. We get to my appointment in December, right? And uh, I go there and I take my P-test and I fail. Now, I'm not expecting to fail because the last time I did anything was at the end of like October. So a whole at least month, if not three weeks has gone by at just being you know playing it safe i don't really remember how much time at this point because so much time has passed um but it was it was more than enough it was more than a reasonable amount of time for somebody who doesn't smoke frequently to go take a p test and you should still pass okay i did not thankfully my doctor is super cool they don't really care about marijuana usage it's not archaic but they do have to file follow very archaic rules and there was nothing they could do for me they're basically like hey call back in a couple of weeks, you know, you sh- if you are telling the truth about when you last used it, it should be out of your system by them. Uh, they've also, in the past, when I've, I've used these products before to help with sleep, when I was just starting to get on the contract and I had, uh, had failed, I told them, you know, what, what I was using when I was on, they were like, oh, okay, well, there's still nothing we can do for you, even there's not a problem there. The consensus is just like, we don't care what you do in your free time, just pass the test when you come here. <laughs> That's how my, my doctor treated everything. It was very very helpful very supportive but uh unfortunately i needed my refill i was about to go through the holidays and deal with family stress and i was having to start to ration what was left of my medication now i can actually have like a month prescription of xanax for myself and it lasts me like two and a half months it just kind of depends on how often i'm having you know panic attacks or not sleeping well uh some some months are good some months it's taking it every day for the whole week it just kind of depends uh, and thankfully this last batch had lasted me longer and, and I probably would have still had some going on into the new year had I not missed my refill date. So long and short of it, failed my drug test, can't get my medicine. I come back in two weeks. Now over the course of those two weeks, I get some drug tests at home and I do them and I'm beginning to pass pretty much immediately as I would have expected. And so I go in and I make my appointment again. I'm like, hey, all right, looks like I'm passing. I'll go and take the test. They, they don't even make me make an appointment. They're just like, you come in, be in a cup. We'll get you your prescription and get out. They're trying to like help me out, get it as soon as possible and not do the whole song and dance of, of red tape. So do that. And I still fail. The uh, nurse brings me the cup and shows me where the test strip fails. Now I see a faint line. And anytime there's any line, that means the drug test says pass. You have it test negative, which means you pass. It's not, uh, if it shows positive, that means there's no line. That means you failed. So showing faint negative, but negative. I don't argue with it though. I go home confused, upset, having more panic. Now I'm having panic attacks to get about getting my medicine that stops my panic attacks. <laughs> and on top of the holiday stress on top of everything else so i get through the holidays and i'm pretty much down to one pill that i'm saving for emergencies and here's the thing that sucks about that when you're 
dealing with something as severe as panic attacks like I do, you don't know what the worst one is. You can grin and bear a thousand of them. I've, I've dealt with so many that have literally left me in my shower for four hours. Um, and so that's pretty bad, but it is also me staying awake at night for eight hours bad, even though I'm not like crying uncontrollably. I'm just looping thoughts and, and stressing out. Uh, you know, that, that, that's a form of a panic attack. Uh, what about when I just have a, a breakdown and, and cry and hyperventilate for 30 minutes, but I can't do anything within those 30 minutes? Is that, is that when I need to take my medicine? The answer is yeah. All of those. To, yes, uh, that's when I should be taking my medicine. At any one of those moments is a completely valid use case for that. That's why I prescribe it, right? Uh, when you only have one pill, you got to decide, oh, can I make it through this? Can I survive this? And I was having to survive through panic attacks that I should have just taken my medicine for. And you know what I saved that last pill for? I saved it for the day of returning to my doctor to resolve all this. I should have used it before in hindsight, uh, but that's that's what I did. And even then, I only took half a pill. So how, how did how did all, this all end up? I've got my medication back now. Everything's actually great. It's like night and day. It's incredible. We'll talk about that. But um, basically, I hadn't slept well in in two months. It took two months for me to get my medication back in order. Um, for each week I went through, I would sleep no more than two or three days in a row at a time. And most of the time it wasn't in a row. Usually it was three days of not sleeping very well or no sleep at all, then a day of sleep, then another day of unrest, and then a day of rest. A day of unrest and a day of rest. Because uh, sometimes it wasn't full out not sleeping. Sometimes I would get to sleep, but it would be uh, PTSD nightmares. So how that works for me is I fall asleep eventually, usually six o'clock in the morning, and my dreams are all just vivid nightmares that are usually related to uh, events that come up from my PTSD in the past. So some of that is related to like my dad who's, who died when I was 18 or some of it's related to like family stress or feelings about my mom or how I was treated then. Some of it may be from past relationship trauma. Some of it may be from when my uncle died. Some, but there's lots of death <laughs> and heartbreak and other uh even i have uh some sexual trauma from the past as well related to when i was a kid there, there's all kinds of stuff that my ptsd really feeds on and it does really well at night in my dreams compared to anything else surprisingly going through the day even if something kind of triggers it i don't lose control the same way my anxiety does now my anxiety can pop off for dumb reasons like having to go to the store or something and most of those kind of things, I've lived lifelong enough, I've learned how to deal with them, but the things that incapacitate me are not triggers. I don't, I don't really get triggered, so to speak, by certain things. The only time I'm ever really, truly, I guess, upset by something externally that reminds me of something about my own mental health is when I'm already in the weeds. Like, if I'm already feeling really, really depressed one day and somebody starts talking to me about somebody who is dealing with an eating disorder on their own, then maybe I'll start to reflect on my own eating disorder, and my own body dysmorphia in the, my state of depression, and it'll get worse and I'll have to be like, hey, normally I can handle this conversation, but right now I can't, um, you know, put it on pause. I'm okay with you telling me about it, you know, you didn't do anything wrong, just not right now. 
my mental state can't handle that that's usually the kind of uh, places where i get triggered like if i'm already anxious and having a panic attack you could trigger more anxiety by presenting more things that are anxiety driving but my ptsd doesn't really work with triggers the same way it's just kind of pops up on its own or it's commonly here lately been in the form of nightmares and when i wake up from those nightmares i wake up incredibly stressed and guess what anxious with no medicine to take so um yeah unrest could have been that or it could have been just literally not sleeping so uh my therapist helped me with this wonderful idea that uh i should get a medical marijuana card because she likes it when i am able to use something like a edible even if it's like something like one of these hhc gummies that you can go to the gas station and get if if it helps if those things are helping then uh having access to them is important what really sucked about this period of time is normally when i'm just out of medicine and i've got to wait to to get more i would take a gummy and get some sleep for the weekend or at least be able to relax and get some relief that was planned on a given day maybe when the weekends i can just take some gummies sit down and watch a movie and not do anything because i've been stressing out and freaking out all week i had didn't have that option because if i take any of those products whether they are just straight up marijuana or if it's some kind of thc derivative even cbd fun fact all of that will pop as a positive on a, a drug screen for thc no matter if it's completely legal and you can go to a gas station smoke shop and buy it or if it's something from your your buddy doug that lives under the troll bridge that your mom thinks is how you get marijuana even though that's still not how it works uh, unless you know a doug under a troll bridge that sells some dank weed let me know shout out to to all my dugs <laughs> um i have a so this is a side tangent, but I have this uh, like breakfast tray that's like the cartoon Doug. It's an uh, old Nickelodeon cartoon if you're not familiar with it. I've had it since I was like probably damn near six years old. Um, and it used to always be my sick tray. It was the tray that uh, I would have my little tomato soup on or my chicken soup on when I was sick and had to lay in bed or lay on the couch and, and couldn't get up and eat and I had to eat off of that. But every time somebody has seen it recently that i know that smokes weed will see it and be like dude that's a sick rolling tray and i'm like what <laughs> this, is my, this is my tv dinner tray but i mean yeah it, it's it's a it can be a rolling tray any tv dinner tray can be a rolling tray uh but i always thought that was funny anyway so yeah sh shout out to all my dogs uh point of all this being sorry for the side tangent point of all this being that uh I had no relief, no way to take any kind of break from my brain. Now, when I tell you what I did over the holidays in that time uh, to manage it, you'll be like, how did you do all that while you had no sleep and had no energy and your brain was hurting and you were having these breakdowns? Um, that's, <laughs> you kind of answered the question with the question. So what I did uh, over the break as I developed a new course it's going to be called the offensive security programming course it'll be a hacking course for those who are interested in information security and hacking stuff I'm sure there's not a whole lot of overlap in the podcast there but that is something I do and like I said do want to talk about from time to time so I built a whole course on that my my thinking behind that was uh currently I'm just trying to pay down some debt and I've got a great plan for it I'll be done by the summer everything's great you know that's that's awesome and all but if i could accelerate it faster who wouldn't want to do that 
and I remember how well my first course, which you haven't, if you haven't checked it out already, you should, you know, getting these plugs in there. Uh, but my first course, uh, offensive security engineering, that's also on Udemy, did really well within the first couple months, uh, enough that it would have made a dent in some debt like this. So I thought if I can make another one that's just as good in quality, if not better, uh, you know, because now I can use what I've learned from the first time, then maybe that'll help me boost things a little. And, you know, if people keep buying it, give me some beer money across the months and help sponsor things that I can do in my free time, like make this podcast and not really have to worry too much about being financially incentivized by it. So that's what I did. I got started working on offensive security programming, of course. And um, yeah, I did that the entire month of December, pretty much. Uh, actually, I did it towards the end of November um, and finished it towards the beginning of November. But the point is, uh, that course actually isn't out yet. It won't be out around the time this episode comes out. It'll still take a couple weeks because what I also did is I wrote a book. Yeah, I wrote another book, only this one's not about hippy-dippy magic bullshit. Uh, that uh, I'll have another one of those later in the future at some point. This, this is a bona fide hacking book. And not only is it a bona fide hacking book, it is being published so I'm not just a liar saying that I'm an author that self-published their own book. Uh, this book got picked up pretty quickly by No Starch Press. A shout out to No Starch Press. They've got great books like Hacking the Art of Exploitation, which is, to me, the hacker's Bible. So to be among the ranks of books like that and their malware analysis book are just going to be awesome. So I wrote this book. I pitched it uh, to No Starch Press. And this, this book is called Offensive Security Engineering and Programming or Programming and Engineering. I don't even know the title of my own book. Anyway, the point is that uh, I wrote this book and it is a book that basically puts together both of the courses I made. It puts together the old course and it puts together the new course content and puts it all in one book. So the first half is actually all the new material. It's all the programming stuff. And then the second half, once you finish all the programming stuff, is all about engineering. And if you're not familiar with any of what I've been talking about, basically, this book teaches you not only how to write your own tools in offensive security, it teaches you how to program things like making your own phishing websites with PHP and MySQL and how to make a database and how to make scripts for authentication so you can do things like uh, brute force attacks and login attacks. It also teaches you how to make custom command and control implants. So that's malware, if you want to sound real edgy. It also teaches you how to make ransomware, which I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's in there. I actually use that as a professional type of tool every day. Now, of course, it is not widely spreadable ransomware that you can just deploy on your targets or whatever. You have to know what you're doing. But that's why the book is teaching you programming and we're using these projects that sound super edgy and scary as a way to show you, hey, this is how you program in general. Here's some example languages. Now, here's some things you can do with that that sound bad and can be used for bad, but the moral here is that it's a program. Computer code does what you tell it to do. It is not inherently malicious. So a ransomware program sounds scary. We call it that in the book, but what I really have you build is a, a file encryption and a file decryption tool. It's not any different from uh, the BitLocker tool on Windows or... Lux if you're on Linux or, or File Vault if you're Mac OS. It's the same type of thing, only it's a standalone program and you can use it if you're a professional like me to help your client test what would they, they would do in, in the scenario of a ransomware attack. But you can do so in a controlled manner. 
So talked a lot about that because that seems to catch people's attention sometimes. That's just the first half of the book. The second half of the book teaches you how to stand up all the infrastructure for engineering and uh, things like standing up your command and controls and servers, standing up the servers that you're going to host your phishing systems on, standing up things to do internal penetration tests, like using a reverse VPN tunnel and stuff like that. So lots and lots of good knowledge. I would categorize this as like a, not an advanced book, but it's not a beginner book. It's somewhere in the middle, just kind of like if you're somebody that's already in your career, or you already know how to program, or you have a couple years in information security already, this fills the gaps. They don't teach in any kind of school that the normal courses to learn this stuff are behind $3,000 plus paywalls, so on and so forth. So I'm trying to make this knowledge a little bit more accessible. My Udemy course will be significantly cheaper than any certification course you can buy and the book should also be you know book priced it shouldn't be like a 200 dollars book it should be probably like a 40 dollars book but i don't have any say over pricing yet at this time um no starch press approved the book i just actually finished giving them my manuscript that i convert to their styles so yeah all of that's coming it could take six more months but i just wanted to go ahead and say something about it now because you know the the podcast is the place to to get all the secrets Anyway, yeah, I did that. I did that over the month of December. I wrote a whole ass book, made a course. This book, and this book's not small, by the way. It's like a 500 plus page book. Um, yeah, it's, it's no joke. I did it all while I was not sleeping. That's how I got it done and freaking out. And this was my distraction. So that's how I managed. I, I forced myself to create something because I was stressed out about money. I was stressed out about time. I was stressed out about life. And, and I thought if I could work on this, maybe that would help. And it did help in the way that now I get to reap the rewards of all the hard work. I didn't know I was going to get a, a publishing deal. Um, and I didn't know there would be such a, a, a good interest in that. But, you know, it's great. I do get to reap the rewards from that. But that is not what my intention was initially. Um, so it worked out for a different reason. Fast forward to now. Um, in the last three weeks or so I've been working really hard to resolve my medicine situation because I can't take it anymore. I was literally, I just wanted to bash my head against the wall and die this past weekend. It, it was terrible. My head was killing me. Um, I hadn't slept in so long and it's, it's so weird because it's like, I've never experienced medication withdrawals before and that's not what these were. Like I said, I do this stuff as needed. So it's not like I was hooked on Xanax and now I'm going through the withdrawals, but um, that's what I was worried about at first because I felt like that's what maybe my doctors were alluding to when they're like, sorry, we can't give it to you. You know, that's going to suck. You know, just they're like, break your last pills in half, you know, stuff like wait it out until we can get you back in to, to do this. And I was like, I'm not, I've already been off it long enough where withdrawal symptoms would have kicked my ass. Like, I'm not thankfully not addicted to any of it or, or use it frequently enough to, for it to cause a problem like that. But what it did cause was something that I thought was unfamiliar, but that was actually all too familiar of a friend. It was just regression. All my symptoms came back. It was all the same feelings I remember feeling over COVID when I just wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. My head was always hurting. I would go day to day, go to the job I had at the time, or I, I didn't physically go to the job, but I would get up in the morning and do my remote work for the job I had at the time and get up, work out, you know, find some try way to just distract myself in the middle of the day when work was going slow. It's just day in and day out. If I wasn't exercising or working, I was laying awake at night, listening to music, 
trying to fall asleep and never could. I would skip all the meals. I would just not do anything. And then when I got to the weekend, I would get high as fuck on whatever pill I was picking that week just to relax. And I would only do that on the weekends to give myself a full brain break. I wouldn't do anything else. And then the week would resume and we'd rinse and repeat. I was starting to feel like that again. I was like, damn, I can't get any, like I'm feeling all these feelings again, but I can't do anything to get some relief. Can't even just do something on the weekend. So I ended up resulting to drinking a little bit more in the evenings and on the weekends than I care to admit. Um, just to get some kind of relief and it sucked. Um, thankfully I did not do that that much. I realized very quickly that sucks <laughs> and I didn't like that very much. So kind of kept it to a minimum after, you know, the first breaking point. But then from there, as I got closer and closer to time, I was like, I don't know what to do. So we got the bright idea to get me a medical marijuana card. And thankfully my PTSD symptoms more than qualify. Uh, so I got on the phone with the doctor um, that specializes with medical marijuana and uh, sent them over, you know, all my medical information and all my information from my therapist. And uh, they just hopped on the phone and were like, hey, I looked over your shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you need this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off for your card. Do you have any like questions? And my big question and the reason this we were all we're doing all this is we figured if there's a medical requirement or a medical constraint on my treatment that the narcotics contract can be overridden by the medical precedents. And the evidence for this is that you actually get to pick and choose per practice what substances you test for. Some some hospitals and, uh, or I, say, I should say some practices, it's not just hospitals, it's in, you know, I go to a normal practitioner for my, my stuff, but some practices require a full panel drug test. Some require minimal drug test. Some, none at all. It just kind of depends what the rules are for the state or county or even federally for a given substance that you're being prescribed. So Xanax, is, I think, is a Schedule 4 drug. That's going to be different from a Schedule 3, 2, 1. Um, they, they, there's a lot of rules. The amount of times you can get a refill before your next test, the amount of times, the amount of refills you can have without getting a test, all these things are pretty much dependent on both the schedule of the drug that is being prescribed and also the practice itself. So the particular practice I go to has a no tolerance. If you uh, piss hot on anything, you can no longer be prescribed your medicine. And of course, they realize that marijuana is also just kind of silly thing to block somebody from potentially life-saving medicine that they need to, you know, get through their days uh so they would scrub that not in terms of like scrubbing it from your record but they would not deny you the medicine anymore outright they just could not prescribe it to you to you until you passed again and if you continue to fail then they may have to test you more regularly to ensure that you're passing more frequently so that way they don't get in any trouble some offices uh some psychiatrists that are a different practice may not have to test you at all if it's for one single medication and most of the times the only thing that they really should be testing you for anyway are opiates you know that's something that you really don't want a patient that's not actively prescribed that and being monitored to be taking while they're also on a benzo that's horrible now marijuana isn't great to take with a benzo i don't smoke and use xanax unless it's completely unavoidable but um it's not the worst thing in the world for you either you shouldn't mix them it's okay if you do uh but generally don't 
but there are some substances that you definitely shouldn't mix and and that's why they test it's like hey we're legally giving you a drug that is a scheduled narcotic so you can't be doing all this other stuff unless we are working with you on it so the idea behind the medical card is to say hey you're a practice that tests for marijuana i've got a doctor saying that i need marijuana for my treatment and can you do anything for me now the i asked the doctor how does this work because it's varies practice to practice and the thing about a medical card if you're in a medical only state somewhere it's not recreational is the medical card is a recommendation it is not a prescription this is how they work around the law so a medical card is a recommendation that a doctor says hey this patient should use medical marijuana and i give them my recommendation formally it's not a prescription they're not writing your uh, a script they cannot do that that is not legal however in a state where marijuana has been deemed uh, legal medically, that recommendation can then go to the state, and the state takes that recommendation and says, okay, this doctor says this person is allowed to take marijuana for their health conditions. The state is actually technically the one that prescribes it to you. So they take that recommendation, put you into a registry, print you out a card, and this special magical card just says, hey, you are allowed to not get in trouble with however many grams of whatever particular THC derivative substance uh, while it's on your person. You can travel with it. You can have it with you. And uh, you can also buy it from licensed dispensaries. So in the state of Georgia, for example, it is low THC oil. And so you can carry, I think it's, I'm probably going to butcher this, like seven grams or something. You, you can carry it a lot. I don't, maybe it's not second grams, but you can get, you can carry a lot, uh, but it can only be THC oil products. So these are things like tinctures or they have this crazy like nose spray that I want to try. Uh, but, um, the, the dispensaries are kind of working around and with the law in a way that gives us actual products that aren't just like, Oh, you're going to take home a vial of oil or whatever. Um, eventually they'll allow edibles and stuff like that. But I can also go to other States that allow, uh, medical card kind of crossovers to states like florida or louisiana i can go to their dispensaries and just get normal weed which is great now i can only travel with it in that state if i take it out of state and i get pulled over i get in a lot of trouble right that's bad uh but that's all the medical card does it gives you the ability to buy and access thc products from licensed dispensaries within your state or other states that honor out-of-state medical medical cards but you can only carry what you can carry within those those state bounds so it's not a get out of jail free card for just having any kind of marijuana product on you it's specific to the state uh it is also not just an override for medical things it is also not a an excuse for failing a drug test at a workplace all of these things are privatized in such a way where they can follow whatever rules they want however well, it won't help you at work, and it won't help you in all scenarios to deal with dealing with marijuana. How it helps you medically is that it is really, really dumb for one doctor to take another doctor's advice and just shove it down the drain without it even being considered. So by me going to a doctor that said, hey, you definitely need this. I'm writing the recommendation for you. I get the card. I physically have the card, and I show up to my normal doctor, and if I were to go, hey... I've got this card now. We haven't started treatment yet. You know, what what can we do here? How is this going to affect my narcotics contract? And what my doctor that prescribed the medical card said, uh, say prescribed, recommended the medical card said was they should be fine with it and be able to help you out just fine. It'd be really silly if they didn't. 
um, you know, that's why you're getting this. So they should be able to work with you. Just tell them what's going on. I was like, cool. So that was my whole plan is that, uh, there's two problems. You know, I talked about how I had, uh, uh, tested positive. I went home, I did my drug tests, uh, at home. It said I was passing and, or it says I was not failing. All these terminologies are confusing even to me sometimes. Anyway, I was not failing my drug test and I, Went and got another appointment, and I still didn't pass at the office, which I thought was funky. If you recall me missing, uh, remembering the faint line on the original test, I was like, there's no way I'm not passing. What the heck? They offered to send it off to a lab for me just in case they were having some issues with their testing, so they did. The lab also found it. Um, I, I was very, very confused because at home I was testing clean. I hadn't used any kind of THC product in months. And then I looked at how they were testing. So apparently my test strips were for 40 nanograms and they used a 20 nanogram test strip, which is basically more potent. So uh, tip to you all, if you need at home test, do a 20 nanogram test. That's what the labs do. Uh, I then bought some of those and saw that, yeah, I was still failing. And I was like, why is this goddamn fucking weed taking so much time to metabolize out of my system? You'd think I was like eating the pot brownie every weekend for like dinner <laughs> and so i was just keeping it in my system it's like no i just smoked like once like fucking almost two months ago now at this point and, <laughs> and now it's still in my system this isn't the first time this has happened either but the other time it was edible so that's what i blamed but this time it made even less sense anyway weeks go by i wait until i am passing these 20 nanogram d drug tests which to my surprise not really i started passing pretty much the second day after i got them <laughs> uh, it was just all all over the place for me. Maybe the first one was even a dud. Who knows? I was frustrated at this point. I hadn't been on my medicine, not sleeping, not eating great, not feeling great. Everything sucks. And these regressing phases of my mental health, it's, it's awful. Um, and now I have to wait on my medical marijuana card to come in. So the doctor recommends it. It goes to the state. It can take up to 15 days for the state to do anything about this. And I don't have another doctor's appointment until February. So I'm freaking out. Actually, before I got the, the 20 nanogram test, I actually go back the same week. So I was like, ah, just come back in a few days. You should be, be fine. You know, it should be out of your system by then. And it wasn't. So I failed again. It was starting to look real bad on everybody because it looked like I was a liar. It looked like they were a liar. It looked like nothing made sense. And most importantly, they were upset they couldn't, you know, prescribe their client their medication that they needed and i'm upset for that same reason because i need the fucking medication i'm having to shit whole time so now I'm, it's a waiting game i'm passing the at-home drug test do like three every week it's becoming an obsession i start having panic attacks about taking my drug test every morning it it becomes this routine of hopelessness trying to create hope even though everything looks fine. It's like, why can't I just get this now? Finally, I get an update on the card. It's been shipped. This is after 10 days. Okay. After 10 days, it ships. And then it says it'll get there the following Monday. I get no updates at all. Nothing changes for like five more days. So I work with my therapist and we're just like, okay. We, we're waiting too long. You're regressing. I'm not able to actually, you know, help you with anything through this. It's literally just a medication problem. Like we, we can't do anything else here. You don't have the tools that you normally need. And, you know, just make an appointment. 
go ahead and make an appointment you know you're passing your drug test even if we can't resolve the overall medical thing for the marijuana right now you can at least go ahead and get your prescription you can even at least talk to them about it and my anxious brain is like i don't want to do that they're gonna be mad because i don't pass the drug test because they think i'm a drug addict and pothead even though that's not true at all that's how my brain thinks and uh she of course assures me no you need your medicine you're allowed to take your medicine you can't be in trouble with other adults you pay these people go and get your fucking medicine so i do that and uh, i make my appointment but they can't get me in until the next week so that i had a doctor's appointment that week anyway but i figured fuck it go ahead and let them make the second appointment because the other one's for labs this one's for a consultation i need i need my medicine sooner than later i'd rather have it at the beginning of week and and you know survive the week better than not have it at all so i do that and then friday of that same week rolls around and i finally get a notification on the medical marijuana card lady from the government calls me and says, hey we're trying to make you an appointment so we can get you your card uh you know when can you come in and I was like, well, as soon as possible, of course. And they were they were able to make me an appointment the same day as my consultation appointment, which this worked out great. So I went and I got my medical card at 10 a.m., walked into the Department of Health building. Weirdest fucking experience. I walk in, you know, there's cops at the front, but not like cops guarding stuff. There's cops at like a teller desk behind some, some walls just sitting there, just, and they're just greeting you as you come in. So I guess they're just you know guys to say hello for you so i walk in and then there is a three path fork in the road so i can go left which i guess is not a fork a fork technically is four pronged if you think about silverware but a fork in the road is usually two paths anyway sorry there's a trident in the road i should say of uh, a path straight forward down the hall that looked like i wasn't supposed to go there and you know hacker brain me thinks oh go to places you're not supposed to go and i repress that thought and move along save that for the day job go to the left seems like there's a bunch more you know teller looking boxes you take a number type thing go sit down and wait and then there's a door to the right that looks like it goes to a broom closet so i go to the left because that seems like it makes the most sense there's a little sign-in kiosk i sign in when I go to sign in, though, I notice my appointment type, which was the you know medical card pickup, wasn't there. So I just selected other, and it prints out me a little number. And I'm sitting there, and there's not a whole lot of people there, thankfully. Some ladies already up there talking to somebody. About five minutes go by. I am like one minute until my appointment time, so I think I'm going to be late. And I don't like being late to government things because even though they're all about hurry up and wait, if you show up late... Uh, they'll use that as a way to deny you, even though it was going to take another 30 minutes to see you. Anyway, whole thing uh, in my brain circulating around. Uh, my number finally gets called. I go up there. I tell her what I'm there for. There's like two minutes to spare until I have to to go to my actual appointment. And they're like, oh, cool. You're here for that. Uh, go to that little closet across the hall you know the broom looking closet that i mentioned before uh and they'll take care of you in there so i walk all the way over there and i see the sign vital records so there's this little room for vital records and i think oh okay i guess maybe it's a record since it's a card that that might make sense but this is where people are getting like you know new copies of their birth certificates and stuff like that if something's been lost in fact there's one man in front of me and that's what he's doing so i wait and then i get up to the the window again and the lady asks me what i'm here for i tell her and she's like oh uh well and then another lady walks up with a cane behind her and is like you'll actually need to see her i was like oh okay cool 
I'm frazzled at this point. I hadn't slept in about three days. Today is the most anxious day of any day because today I'm hopefully getting my medicine. I'm having to have a big scary conversation with my doctor. I think the world is against me. Everything is falling apart in my mind. Everything seems terrible. Of course, if you've heard the story so far, listening in, especially with the tangents, you know that this was ridiculous to be anxious about. But that's how anxiety works. Fun fact. If it seems like it should go okay, your brain tells you it won't. And you spiral out of control. And it sucks. Anyway, so, I talked to the lady. She says for me to just go sit down uh, and she'll be with me in a minute. And she walks back behind a corner and I'm sitting for like good five minutes now the reason i'm sitting for a good five minutes is because that's not what she told me to do she didn't tell me to just sit down where the seat was and wait what she told me was was to go into another closet within this closet i'm serious this room was the size of like a just a a reasonably sized king size closet like if you're in like a, a a four three or four bedroom home and the master suite has a a nice closet it's like the size of one of those well there's like an actual janitor's broom closet inside this closet looking space and she had told me to go back in there so she comes out again it's like hey can you go wait for me in there i was like oh yeah sorry (laughs) and i get up and i get walk in and the room is dark and it's a closet and there's just another teller window it's just me one teller window and a chair in the dark room and I sit down in the dark and she looks at me and is like you, you're just gonna sit in the dark and I was like I, I'm gonna be honest ma'am I, I did not know there was light <laughs> um, where's the light and she, she like it's right behind you and I was like okay turned it on and I looked at her and I said I'm having a rough morning like sorry if I misheard you telling me to go there or whatever she's like it's fine you know whatever and she starts going through the rigmarole. She's actually super nice. She's super knowledgeable about the medical card and is like, hey, this has actually been helping a ton of people. You know, she re-explained the rules that I already knew to me, uh, but it was nice to hear those affirmed so it wasn't just nonsense on the website. That, you know, everything seemed consistent. The medical marijuana card gathering experience is the most consistent government experience I've ever had. DMV takes some notes. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the after all that, she gives me the card, uh, and I'm upset that the card's not physically green. I can't say I have a green card. So, sorry. No no more offensive jokes from that. But uh, it is like a little peach card. You know, Georgia. That's how it works. I wonder how it looks in other states. So, I go to my doctor's appointment after working for a couple hours. And I am freaking out. While I'm working, I'm going to be honest. I'm not all there. I'm just like going through the motions. I'm running different scripts i'm i'm catting out some credentials and trying to reuse them i'm doing my best to just do the bare minimum and not break anything until i can go to my doctor so i go to the doctor and i tell the nurse who gets me in you know what's going on and give her the updates and say yeah so i got the medical card now and she was like oh well we've been able to you know uh, get people who have those and get that on their record and have it not be a problem anymore so you should be you should be okay. I've seen that happen a couple times. And there it was. The hope. The light. Because my backup plan to all this was to have to go find a new psychiatrist that could just prescribe them this medicine and would also honor the card. At, th- at that point, that's why it's important to acknowledge it's per practice. A practice does not have to do this. It's optional. It's really dumb if they don't, but it is completely optional. So my only other option, if they said, now nah, we can't do anything for you, was either go find a new psychiatrist that would do it or go find a n- another doctor that would do it. And that was going to be a headache. So I came prepared. 
Yeah, I came clean. I've been passing drug tests for months. I've been not doing anything nefarious at all whatsoever. I am clean as a whistle. Hydrated too. Drank some liquid deaths on the way there. We were ready to go. Ready to pass this P-test no matter what they said. So at least they could give me a refill. I would be good for the next 90 days while I hunt for a new doctor. That was the worst case scenario. So the nurse saying that was like, oh, I don't have to change anything. I can just you know, be normal and not worry about my medication ever, ever again. That's great. So my LPN, who's the main one that works with me, wa- walked in and was like, okay, so I heard you want to talk about your medication, you know, what's going on, all that kind of stuff. And so I re-explained it to her just so I'm sure she was kind of corroborating the details from what the nurse t- told her versus what I'm telling her face to face. So just tell her the same thing again. And she was like, yeah, you know, she, she started apologizing. She's like, I'm sorry, we couldn't get to you. I know you've not been having a good time. You know, um, we tried, you know, tried to get in faster. You know, the the uh, urinary lab, whatever people working there, they were trying to help you out by, you know, not ma- having to make the appointments and all that kind of stuff. But there was just nothing we can do at that point. You know, if, she's like, if I could just write it and not lose my job, I would. But we can't do that. Uh, she said, but... Since you have the medical card, we can add that to your record and it won't be a problem anymore. And I was like, oh my God, Jesus, Jesus might be real. This is the best. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and they just took it. But what was funny to me, I don't know if she meant for me to hear this, but I certainly heard it, uh, is uh, she asked me if I was ready to take uh, the P-test and I was like, yeah, you know, let's go for it, we're ready. Uh, there's no reason it shouldn't pass today I even made the jokes like I'm gonna pass today no matter what and she's like okay so she walks by the nurse and tells her to bring me you know the cup and she's she's like it may or may not that's what she, that's what she says to her and then the nurse comes up to me and brings me the cup and she's walking with me down to to the bathroom before she leaves me off and she's like she said it may or may not pass and to me at this point you know it doesn't matter but I care a lot because I had to abstain for so long from and be in this much pain with no relief whatsoever. I'm like, it better pass. <laughs> this is what I told her. And she's like, okay. And so bring it to her. I don't know if it passed or not because it didn't matter anymore at this, at this rate. It, obviously, it passed with everything uh, except for THC at least. Like, <laughs> even if that failed, it wouldn't have mattered. But uh, yeah, so I was able to get my medicine and it's literally night and day. I actually didn't feel better until I had the bottle of pills in my hand. I, it did not matter until that was kind of the mission was complete. Once I had it, it was like, oh, this is great. I have my medicine now. I've got two refills of this before I have to go back and take a pee test. And even when I do, as long as I haven't been doing, you know, heroin for the last three months, I should be okay, <laughs> which not a problem for me, man. <laughs> That's easy, easy peasy. So, uh, yeah, it, it was truly night and day. Literally that night, went outside, smoked a joint relaxed, played games with my friends, and then got some fucking sleep. Now, still got a lot of sleep to recover from, so my band had rescheduled rehearsal for that that next day, so the next day I just kind of relaxed again. I was able to take my medicine to go to sleep and actually get a full night of sleep, and I feel so much better. It's truly night and day, just the relief I feel 
of having access to the tools that help me operate day to day. I'm not really thinking about it anymore. I don't have to worry about, do I have the medicine, do this? It really makes you feel like a junkie, even when you're not. It's like, oh, I don't have my medicine, but I'm not itching for a fix. I'm itching for safety. Like now that I know that it's in my cabinet when I need it, I'm okay. I feel so much better. I can go get it if I'm having a bad time and I really do need it. I can go get it from spiraling up and night of sleep. But I'm no longer having anxiety about having anxiety because I can't get my anxiety medication. That is a fucked loop that I've been in for the, the last couple months. It really just sucked. So that is what is up, Doc. We're back on the meds. We're not Kanye Weston anymore. We might be smoking a doobie every so often, but we are, uh, I guess, legally allowed to. Right, that's how that works. You you wouldn't know if it was if it was Delta Eight grass or not. That that's legal. So, just being tongue in cheek here, everyone. But remember, take care of your brains. Your medicine is important, and I'm sure if you've been on medication before, you've probably been through a rigmarole like this. This is hopefully the last time I have to deal with anything like this. It's been something that's always been scary. I feel like the only other time we'll have to deal with something like this is if we are changing my medication plan entirely for some other reason. So it worked. Go medical marijuana, you know, legalize it in general. That would be great. But now I don't really have to worry about it anymore. And if you are having trouble with medication like this and your medication does not conflict with marijuana, that's important. Uh, most don't. So you're generally okay. This might be a good idea. Um, marijuana really does help me with PTSD and it helps me with um, my eating disorder a ton. The munchies are no joke. And if I have not eaten all week and I'm like, damn it, Casey, you need to eat. I can take a couple edibles, just sit on the couch and about 30 minutes, I'll be ready to eat. It helps. It helps a ton. And, you know, just being able to relax, not worry about, you know, these deep, dark thoughts of trauma that I've had to experience in the past when I don't want to, you know, it's one thing you shouldn't avoid stuff like that. It's one thing to be avoidant, but it's another thing when you're just tired, man, you want to just feel normal for a bit. You just want to feel okay. Helps me with that a lot. And then having a way to fight off the panic attack so I can be functional human being in society and I don't have to hide it and mask it all the time is incredible. The amount of times I apologize to my bandmates for seeming grumpy, uh, last week, I think it was only three times, maybe, maybe two, but that's too damn high. I shouldn't have to feel like I need to apologize for the state of my mental health, especially to people who, who care. Um, but that's how my brain felt. So take your medicine. Go go talk to your doctors. Get, get the help you need. And remember, don't let them tell you no unless you're just wrong. You know, know when you're wrong. That's hard. But if you actually need shit and get shit done, don't be scared of your doctors is really what I'm saying. You do pay them. You can't be in trouble with other adults and you need your medicine. If you actually need your medicine, you need your medicine. That's what it's for, and you don't have to feel guilty for it. I need to hear that sometimes. Uh, I hope I hope no one else does. But if I do, there might be somebody else that, who does. And that's the that's the shared experience. So that's it for this episode. I will talk to you in the next one. Hopefully, it'll be sooner than later. I wanted to wait explicitly until the last day of the month for this one because it literally only happened on Monday, which was two days ago, uh, for, so I could actually tell the story and, and wrap it up and show you how it goes so yeah we'll catch you in next month's episode whatever that's going to be about stay tuned for more music lamons is playing a show in february on the 17th down at nonic don't miss it it hasn't been announced yet you got your first exclusive here goodbye